You're listening to a sermon from Lakeview Baptist Church. We would love to have you worship God with us this Sunday at 1045 in the morning and at 6 o'clock in the evening as we make, nurture, and equip disciples of Jesus Christ in Auburn and throughout the world. In Malawi, once a month, I would head out to, uh, to share with people stories of the Bible that would answer their cultural questions. Usually it was about a four-day trip. I would organize my wife to pick me up on the other side. But along that four-day trip, there was a place that I stopped, the house of Joyce. She always let me filter water. So I would stop at her house and filter water. Every month, I would stop at her house as I walked. At the beginning, it was because I was desperately thirsty. But then I, as, as I organized the trip, it became less and less important to filter the water, but it was the relationship. It was, it was being able to speak into her and, and, and share stories with the people in the community. And then one day came where I came to her house and I knocked and she wasn't there, which was unusual. She always made a point to be there. And um, I turned to walk on because I actually had water enough that day to make it to the, to the next place where I could find water. And as I turned to walk away from her door, the Lord said, go back and get water. And so I turned back around and I went back to the door and I knocked a little harder thinking that Joyce was there listening a little bit more intently, and I heard a small voice from back in the house say, Joyce left the water just inside the door. You can filter your water. And so I cracked the door. It's very dark inside, no windows in the house. Usually there's one partition between the front and the back where you can walk around one side and and I filtered my water. It took about 20 minutes to filter the water and I said, thank you, closed the door and I got about the same distance away from the house and he said, you need to go back and pray for the woman in the back of the house. And so I went back Knocked again, apologized for coming in a second time. I couldn't see very well, but I asked if I could pray for her, and she said yes. So I found my way to the partition, and back behind it, it was kind of dark. She was there on a mat. And I just prayed that she'd get better and that everything Uh, that she planted this year would yield hundredfold. Uh, And then I left. I really wasn't sure what I was supposed to have prayed. But when I got there the next month, there was this huge crowd. And Joyce was there. And she was real excited. And and, and she said, she said, uh, I'm so excited you're back. My mom will be here in a minute. And I said, so that was your mom in the back of the house? And she said, yes, she hadn't walked in, in, in years. She's been back there. Uh, we've been waiting for her to, to just pass. And um, the day after you prayed for, 
for her. She just got up. And, and from that day until now, she's been planting corn in anybody's yard who will let her plant corn. <laughs> and she crested the hill and she saw me and she did something very countercultural. <laughs> that is, she just grabbed me and hugged me. And as she hugged me, she asked me something that scared me. She said, can you pray for Joyce? She's been bleeding for a couple of years, and I want her to be healed. I started crying, and I, and I told this old lady, I said, I said, look, uh, you know, God heals who he chooses to heal, and she said, just pray for her. And so I prayed for Joyce, and when I got back to next month, the crowd was huge because her bleeding stopped. And a church started just across the path from her house. And so after I got back from furlough one year, uh, we actually went to visit the the tea estate owners that were on the top of the mountain. And I told Pam, I said, I'm hiking down to go see Joyce. And as I hiked down to go see Joyce, I saw her mom, I saw Joyce's mom right there in front of her house. And I said, hey, uh, I want to talk to Joyce. Is she around? And the mom said, well, I'm sorry. She, uh, she got malaria and she died. And I involuntarily fell to my knees. I really didn't know what to do or what to say. And this old lady who had been on a mat for a couple of years, she reached down and grabbed me by my underarms and she pulled on me and I stood up and she said, Don't grieve because she died, but rejoice that she lived. She did more living in the last two years after she accepted Christ than she ever lived beforehand. And that old woman taught me something about what I want to speak about tonight. I want to speak about peace. I want to read, if I can get past my tears. Um, I want to read John 14, 26 and 27. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I love you. I wish I could say I love you uh, to the full measure. But Lord knows, you know, sometimes I don't. And I need old women to encourage me. I pray, Lord God, that uh, you will send your Holy Spirit to fall on this place. That every one of us who has ever struggled with peace would recognize that you, Lord Jesus, have given your peace to us and that we don't need to let our hearts be troubled. In fact, you command us not to. And you command us not to be afraid. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us so much. Amen. It starts out, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. Advocate is an awesome word. Uh, it's counselor and, and, and other uh, translations. Um, but advocate, I, I, I like the word. Someone who comes and stands beside you when you're in trouble. Someone who pleads your case. Um, someone who encourages you when you're feeling down. The Holy Spirit, who was given in Jesus' name, can rescue us. I can't tell you how many times people have come and shared with me this story. In fact, just this week, someone called on the phone and said, uh, man, I didn't know who to call. I woke up and I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. It's like something was on my chest. I couldn't open my eyes. I was so scared that I couldn't speak. I remember one morning I was woken... Uh, uh, God often wakes me in the middle of the night. This night I got up at about two o'clock and I went into what was our living room in Africa and I sat down on the floor and I started praying and eventually God had me praying for a guy named Boa Vida. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for about two hours and then finally I went to bed. And then when I got up later at five, I told my Wife, I said, I prayed for Boa Vida last night. I feel like I need, just need to go see him. And when I got to his house, I found that he had that same experience at his house. He couldn't breathe. He said, he said he couldn't even get his eyes open. And once he could get his eyes open, he tried to call me on the phone and his phone wouldn't work. 
He tried to put on some music that, that he knew would, would, would help him focus. And he said, and then finally, after hours, he got Jesus' name off the end of his tongue. And, and, and the spiritual bondage just broke from him. And he was exhausted, and then he went to sleep, and then I found him at his house. Whom the Father will send in my name. I love the word whom. The Holy Spirit isn't an idea. He's a person. He's a person who lives with us, dwells with us. We, uh, we read here in John 14, if you read the whole chapter through, Jesus is trying to explain to them what's going to happen after he dies on the cross. And he tells them weird stuff as far as they're concerned. Like, uh, like, it's better that I die now. It's better that I leave because then, you know, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, will send the counselor, will send the, the, the advocate. But they asked questions. Um, one of the questions uh, was from Thomas. He said, um, Jesus... We don't know where you're going, so how in the world are we going to know how to get there, right? And yet, Jesus continued to speak with them about his peace that he was going to give to them. It says, whom the Father will send in my name and will teach you all things. I'm an engineer, and when you, lose an, when you use an absolute, it kind of throws me for a loop. I, 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 I kind of stopped listening. I apologize to all of you who have used an absolute before in my presence, and I've stopped listening to you. But when I, but when I come up to an absolute in Scripture, it catches my attention. Do I think that this means that we, that, that we know everything now that we've accepted Jesus? No, I, I really don't think that's what it means. Um, but you know, about 30 years ago, I was driving across Birmingham, and you, you know those big flatbed trucks that carry cars that had been crushed and kind of pushed together? It looked like big squares of steel, you know. With I was driving, and I was getting ready to pass one of those, and the Lord said, pull over into the traffic. And I literally checked my side view mirror and zipped between two cars just that quick. And right as I pulled off, a lug nut fell from that truck off of some crushed car, hit the pavement, and went just like that, right next to my window. And I knew it was the Lord. Because he knows all things. And Jesus died so that he could be with us always. Every single one of us, all of us. 
about 10 years ago, there was a guy, John, who uh, he'd, he'd stolen a wallet from a tent. We were having a meeting. And uh, the person whose wallet he stole was very, very upset. To have all your identity gone in a, in a, in a sub-Saharan African country is a very big deal. And all of his identity was gone. And um, I came in to sit down with Pam. And as I sat down, the Lord started speaking to me. And he said, he said John's the one who took the wallet said he went in there while you were teaching into the tent and he got into this guy's backpack and he stole the wallet and he took it in the woods and he hid it under a, 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 a log in the woods. Said, so you need to get up right now and you need to go out and you need to talk to John and you need to tell him that I know what he did and he needs to give the wallet back. Pam could tell I was... I was in a struggle <laughs> because I was getting ready to walk up in front of 20 guys who, who I was discipling and I was going to finger one of them. And I looked at Pam and Pam looked at me and she said, what is it, Bob? And I told her and she said, well, then go. So I walked out. And I walked into the group, which was around the fire, and I walked right up to John, and I said, now, John, God just told me you're the one who stole the wallet. You stole it while we were teaching. You carried it out. You put it under a log. You need to go back, and you need to get it and give it back. You know what his response was? <laughs> I didn't take the wallet, man. You, you got, I mean, you're crazy. And I said, look, you can lie to me, but you can't lie to God. And I'm going to walk back in the house, and, that, and that's going to be the end of it for me. But for you, you're going to answer to God. And I went back, and I sat down in the house. 20 minutes later, a guy came to the door and said, you're not going to believe this. He was wrong about that point. John went into the woods and got the wallet and gave it back. I needed to know that information only so that I could be obedient. And sometimes God lets us know stuff. Sometimes God gives us tasks to do. And we just back up. Because sometimes those things are hard to say. Because we think God might not come through. Well, the truth is, God always comes through. And the blessings we miss because we disobey aren't worth the price we pay. Because it's a huge price.
Jesus died so that he could live in us so that we could show the world that that's what happened, that he lives in us. When I got saved back in 83, that's the first thing God told me. He said, tell everybody you're living for Jesus. Well, I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to God, you know. I never believed this could happen. Let's move on. I won't, I'll never get to peace. <clears throat> it says, remind you of ever, and he says, uh, I will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, he's talking to the disciples, the disciples who have no clue about what he's talking about. Uh, uh, three different ones speak right up. It's not like Jesus said, uh, I mean, where the, where the Bible says, well, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he answered their question. No, no, no. These people spoke out. They, they were confused. They couldn't understand J- Jesus dying. And so, he told them, the Holy Spirit will remind you of what I've said. Now, these guys lived with Jesus for three years. They'd heard a lot from Jesus. (laughs) But we can't be reminded of things we haven't read and studied, right? You know, I've met people. Well, I'm just going to go through, you know, if God tells me to do something, I'm just going to do it. But they never sink themselves into Jesus. Jesus, the word. To to try and understand, uh, to to digest. You know, someone who, who who said they read a lot of books, they said they had a friend who said, gosh, are you just uh, swallowing those books or do you chew on them and digest them? And that's what I mean about this. You know, you chew, you chew on this Bible and digest this Bible, it never gets old. And God will bring back to memory those things that you have studied. It's imperative that we not only walk in the spirit, but we stay in the word. And then he gives the commands. Well, not the commands yet. He says, peace I leave with you. It's personal. If you have Jesus, you have peace. It's there for the taking. He says, my peace I give to you. Wow. 
What was Jesus' peace? Uh, I'm going to read, say, 30 and 31. At the very end of the chapter, here's Jesus' peace. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. I'm not going to speak with you much longer because Satan's coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let's go. That's pretty serious peace. He said, I'm not going to be with you much longer. Satan's coming. He's going to kill me. But he has no hold of me. You know, we find ourselves in struggles lots of times and we feel like that there's not, there's peace not to be had. There's no way to find peace in the midst of all of what I'm enduring right now. And, and, and I'm here to say, yes, there is. There is a peace that is, is beyond understanding. There is Jesus' peace. Then he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. I mean, the world promises stuff. I tell you what, I, it, it, if I get another letter in the... I mean, it used to be they'd send you the credit card. Say, just use it. It would just... You know, they promise, we'll give you 50 free dollars to sign up and take our credit card. Those dollars aren't free, bud, right? Because it's bait. Now, Jesus, he says, ask whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. That's a tough thing to swallow. Pam and I asked for a parking spot one day. We were pregnant with that girl right there in Birmingham. And she was real pregnant. And a storm just started. I mean, it was getting ready to just rip downpour, and it did. I mean, the bottom fell out. And we had just prayed, Lord, Please show us a parking spot. Give us a parking spot right next to the door so that we can get in without getting wet. We just asked for it, you know? That time, malls were a big deal. You didn't have all this internet stuff, right? And so, and so I mean, it was crowded. There were cars everywhere. And then I spotted and said, parking back. And I said, whoo, that's how he's going to answer my prayer. We're going to get to park in the parking deck. And we pulled into the parking deck, and just, just as I got in the parking deck, I'm telling you, everybody had that idea. I mean, everybody. There were cars everywhere. 
And I thought, I've made a mistake. And then the little old lady tapped on Pam's window. Tap, tap, tap. And she said, if you'll just stop right here, my car is parked right in front of that door. And I'll back out. And after I back out, I'll let you in. But that's God. You know, we can, we can call it circumstance, but it's God. Jesus gives us everything that we ask for if we delight ourselves in him, period. That's how he gives. That's who Jesus is. And then he makes the command again that he commanded actually in verse 1 of chapter 14, and then he says it again here. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I was in, uh, I was at my house in Mozambique right after COVID. Pam came back to the States. We had just spent seven months in South Africa. Pam went one direction right as the borders opened. We didn't know how long they would be open, so they opened up. She flew to the States. I flew to Mozambique. When I got into Mozambique, I had 10 days to tear the house down, get all the tech out, and, and give it to someone else to use it, and then clear everything out. If I wasn't going to bring it home, I had to get rid of it. And so I was tearing everything down. At the same time, I was going to visit churches, and I was trying to encourage pastors. And so I, sometimes I would be up late into the night and get up early, early in the morning. And then one morning when I got up early, early in the morning, my guard said, hey, there's this lady, and she can't talk. She's around side. And I felt like I needed to go see her. And so when I went around the corner, I found a, a lady on the concrete just weeping. Just crying. I mean, not a little bit weeping and, and just wailing and then trying to catch her breath. And I looked at my garden. I said, did you ask her why she's here? And he said, yeah, she, she won't talk. She, I don't know. And so I started asking her, why, why are you here? I mean, and so I was speaking in Portuguese, and I thought, you know, maybe she can't speak in Portuguese. And so I got my, my uh, uh, guard to ask her in Lomway. So my guard was asking her in Lomway why she was there, why she was there, and and. And she was just saying nothing at all. And so, while he was speaking in a lone way, in my mind, I thought, she's lost a child. And so, I looked at my guard and I said, ask her in a lone way if she's lost a child. And he looked back at me. He didn't even have to ask her. 
He said, oh, yeah, she's lost a child. In fact, she's had three children. All of them have died. Well, I kind of sunk to my knees. I, I started talking with her and trying to encourage her that there's hope after all this hurt. And she kept crying, and I, I actually took her hand and said, said, Jesus can give you purpose. Jesus can help you through this. And then she looked up at me, and she said, I came here to find peace. And she carried on explaining. She said, I was at home last night. And the demons came like they often do. And there were so many of them, they chased me from my house. And I went running in the woods hoping I could just get away. But they were there all night long, and finally, I just fell in the woods, and I said, please, can I just have some peace? And something told me that if I found my way here, I could find peace. And I looked at her, and I said, are the voices still there? And she said, no, they wouldn't follow me past your gate. And so I shared the gospel with her. And she prayed to receive Christ. I asked her if she could read Portuguese, and she said yes. So I got her a Bible, and I said, start reading in John. Carry on into Acts, and just carry on into Romans. And she took that Portuguese Bible, and she sat down in the dirt. Her name is Maria. And she sat down, and she just started reading and crying and flipping pages. And as I packed, I would look through my window, and she would be there reading her Bible. And then after about an hour, she just wasn't there. And I felt a little bit hurt. But the Lord said she didn't come here to see you. She came here to find me. She came here to find peace. She left with a new Lord and a new authority so that these demonic forces will never torment her again. Sometimes our hearts are troubled, like hers were. Hers was. You can find peace in Jesus. A peace that, quite frankly, I can't understand. 
He says, do not be afraid. So the last story I'll close. I was at a place called Foti. I was leading a group of pastors. And when the meeting had a break, they asked me if I'd go pray for somebody. And it was my, uh, uh, my policy to always pray. And so then when they asked me to pray for somebody, I really expected an explanation. One didn't come. They just said, follow us. And I followed them for about 45 minutes until we got to a place on a ridge. And, uh, and they said, look, just head up this path and, and you'll see the house. It's right there at the top of the path. Um, and the lady will be there. We're going to wait here. So all the leaders just stayed back. And I started this path really kind of excited. I was a little bit giddy because I didn't know what I was going to find. When I got to the top of the, fa- uh, of, of the path, I found a house that was half fallen down. And there was a, there was a mat out front and a, and a lady probably was 25 years old, maybe weighed 50 pounds. And I walked up to her and I said, my name is Bob. Did you ask to, for me to pray for you? And she shared her story. She said, she said, yeah, because, uh, a few months ago I started getting these, uh, these little bumps on my body. And I went to the doctor and they said, uh, look, it's nothing, just go back home. She said, but then, the, but then as I was home, the bumps kind of got bigger and it got to the point where all of my joints started hurting. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to walk much longer, so I'll go to the doctor again, which is about 15 miles. So she walked to the doctor. And when she got there, uh, the doctor said, look, um, we can't help you. You just need to go home. And then uh, I got to where I couldn't walk anymore. And I asked the people of my village to carry me back to the doctor. And they did. And when we got to the doctor, the doctor told all those people never to carry me there again. Because I had something called cancer. And there's nothing that the doctor could do for me. And the doctor doesn't want me to die at his hospital where he has to take care of my body. So my village carried me back here. And they put me on this mat. So I started sharing the gospel with her. And I got into the gospel. And usually you get to the end and you have to ask someone to pray or maybe even lead them in a prayer. 
Come to find out, this lady wrecked a lot of, a lot of lives. In fact, she started confessing about how she'd killed people with using witch doctor potions, how she's got into marriages and tore them up. I mean, she started crying out to God and confessing everything she'd done. It, it was so moving to me, I started crying with her. And, and she went on for about 20 minutes. And then when she was done, I cried out to God and I said, I said, God, heal her. She prayed to receive Christ. And I went home. Several weeks later, those leaders were in another meeting at my house. And I asked them, how's that lady? Did she get healed? And they said, no, she, she died a couple weeks ago. But not before she turned the village upside down, they said. You see, when someone is sick or dying in, 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 in an, uh, 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 society that's the, that's controlled by animism that person is getting ready to pass to a to a position where where they die and their spirit then can either help you or hurt you and so whenever she asked someone to come and hear her they were almost obligated because you know she was getting ready to be able to torment them and so everyone who passed by her house and they had to it was on the top of the ridge everyone who passed by her house she would call them to the door and she would share Jesus with them and she would say how Jesus could give peace beyond measure And after a couple of weeks, the village went to the chief and said, you need to build another road around her house because we're tired of hearing her talk about Jesus. Now, those who accepted Jesus started a church. She was dying. She had two weeks. I would venture to say that she'd killed more people, torn up more families than anyone that I knew. And yet she turned her village upside down for Jesus. And in the midst of dying, she lived in the peace that this passage talks about. And when we flippantly say that circumstances are too overwhelming for us to live in this, I think about her. I asked them her name. They said, we don't know her name. They just called her the village whore. When I get to heaven, I'm going to so enjoy throwing my arms around that village whore and giving her a hug. 
Her life encouraged me. And I plead with all of you. Embrace that peace, that love for Jesus, that ability to to hear from the Holy Spirit and glorify God with what you have left. Jesus is worth it. Anybody who feels like they've been half-stepping and really want to take walking with Jesus seriously, I invite you to come forward. You don't even have to talk to anybody but God. Let me pray. Father God, you're amazing. You're amazing in all that you show us. And you allow us to walk in perfect peace. Even when we're sad. And even when we're dying. I pray, Lord God, that we here can choose to walk in that peace. We love you. We adore you. We say reign over us. Lord Jesus, I thank you and I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.